Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome into another edition of our Monday night show here on the Wolverine YouTube channel. Also, you can listen after the fact uh, in our podcast feed. Anthony Broom here tonight with Clayton Safey. It's a two-man booth. There's a lot to get to uh, coming off of the end of the college basketball regular season for the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, obviously, NFL Combine this weekend. Big Ten Tournament start uh, starts on Wednesday, so... A lot for us to get to here, but before we get into the show, Ed, we have people rearing to go in the comments here. Uh, Jeff, uh, we're a couple minutes behind, but he was wondering if we'll be on Pacific time tonight. No, we are here at 6.05 every Monday night here uh, until further notice. Uh, the schedule has been what it has been there. But before we get into our show, the meat and potatoes, there's a lot to talk about. State of the basketball program, NCAA tournament bubble, which is is a bit of a pipe dream at this point we'll get to it want to start about talk uh to let me try that again want to start by talking about our friends uh sponsors of the wolverine our new friends over at vitamin energy a powerful naturally caffeinated energy shot that nourishes your body with vitamins supports healthy weight loss and boosts energy for seven plus hours with no jitters or sugar crash uh, Clayton, I've got mine here. You have yours as well. Planning cheers. on cheers, uh, cheers, my guy. Cheers. Uh, I will not drink it on the air uh, because I have the energy I need for the day. But you know, when you need a boost after the fact or to start off your day, uh, it's got you know naturally caffeinated, gluten free, vegan, kosher, certified, and keto ready. Uh, zero sugars or artificial flavors. No carbs. There's something for everyone. There's an immune shot and mood booster. B12, Vitamin D, Workout Plus, Sport Plus, Focus Shots, and more. No jitters, no crash. Supports gut health and its energy with benefits. Let us help you get through your day and be the best version of yourself. Over at VitaminEnergy.com, we have a buy one, get one free offer for listeners of the Wolverine using promo code WolverineBogo. So that's uh, buy one, get one free. Your order at VitaminEnergy.com. That's V I T A. M-I-N-E-N-E-R-G-Y.com. Promo code Wolverine BOGO. Uh, made in the USA. Small but mighty. They will get the job done for you. All right. Thanks to Vitamin Energy. Let's get into the show now. Uh, the basketball season is not over yet. The regular season is in the books. Michigan finishes the year 17-14, and 14, the same record that they finished with at the end of last regular season. Uh, a bit more of a sour note, though. Uh, this time last week, Michigan's coming off of, you know, to be frank with you, a miraculous win over Wisconsin thanks to some magic from Hunter Dickinson 
to send that game to overtime. And little did we know, uh, you know, you're sitting in, you're sitting in that position and go, all right, well, you know what? You find a way to steal one of these next two games. It's probably a coin flip to get in the tournament from there, but you know, you have to feel pretty good about it. Uh, little did we know we would get two more overtime games to close out the season, both on the road, both very different and very frustrating for different reasons. Uh, Thursday's double overtime loss, 91 87 at Illinois. And then Sunday, uh, a game that I put, I can only speak for myself, Clayton. I'd love to hear uh, your thought process, but that game probably put me through the ringer of emotions more than any uh, Michigan basketball game this year, just because, you know, you come out and you go down by 14, or I think it was 12 points in the first half, or it was 14. Then you come back all the way back and you lead by as many as 12 points with 12 minutes to go. And again, it's just kind of uh, this, this snatching defeat from the jaws of victory uh, energy. That's a, it's a bitter pill to swallow. So I guess uh, your thoughts since last time we talked, it's, it's been two losses, two really tough losses. Yeah. We'll start, I guess, starting with Sunday's game first. I mean, it was a fun game to watch objectively. Uh, and, and it was, pretty awesome for a lot of it the way Michigan played and battled back from a, a cold shooting start and then obviously they kind of go cold themselves uh, which I thought was an issue I think people aren't bringing up enough is Michigan only scored 14 points in the last 14 minutes if you include overtime there and it's obviously not enough uh, not enough we can talk a lot about you know the the end of regulation play the end of overtime play same thing goes for the Thursday night game but uh, a couple things is one you know I feel like Michigan especially against Indiana, had a chance to win that game and not make it a game like that. But uh, they kind of went cold, not quite to the the same effect as they did in the first meeting against Indiana when they didn't score in the last five minutes, but it was still tough uh, for them to score. Indiana made some big plays, a couple big steals late in the game as well. But, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you had a shot to win it at the end of regulation, and you should have had a shot to win it at the end of overtime. Kobe Bufkin, I mean, really unbelievable – in unbelievable fashion, you know, tries passing it to a seven footer with two seconds to go when his back was turned. I mean, I just, I just, you don't see that. Um, so you gotta, you gotta get a shot off there. Um, I will say this, you know, Michigan's playing better. Michigan is a much improved team from the beginning of the season, but uh, at the end of the day, it's kind of all for naught a little bit when you lose some of these close games. Uh, if they could have found a way to win one of those, you feel pretty good going into uh, the Big Ten tournament. I still think. You know, I mean, they're favored against Rutgers. If you look at Ken Palm and all that, we'll see what Vegas says, and I would expect them to be on there as well. But, like, then you got Purdue. Um, you know, there was a chance you win one of those two games and all you had to do was beat Rutgers, depending on how other things shake out. So, hugely disappointing. 12 losses now out of the 14 or by two possessions or less or in overtime. Uh, some of those weren't, you know, maybe as close as the final score indicated, but you – look back at this season, the the number one story has been their inability to win close games. And it probably will, you know, looks like it's going to be the thing that keeps them out of the tournament. Yeah. It's the only way for me to, to, to sum it up is disappointing. I tweeted it out after the game yesterday is that, you know, I know that this is a young team that, uh, you know, I know there's some roster construction stuff. There's the youth factor. There are a lot of reasons why this season hasn't quite lived up to the expectations, but to me, uh, and I feel like I've been saying this all year. This is to me just a clear case of being, you know, we always hear the old cliche, you are what your record says you are. And to me, this group is what it is at this point. Um, late game situations have been an adventure. 
Uh, and for a number of reasons, I think they've been disorganized, especially when they call timeouts to draw up a last shot. I, I've never seen a team be as discombobulated as, as this one has been when they get a chance to take a breath and come out and draw something up. Um, you know, for me, it's, this isn't surprising, you know, these missed opportunities I wrote uh, in a column earlier today have been kind of just emblematic of what their season has been. And when you lose in so many different ways, the way that they have, and again, I want to stress this, this isn't me putting Juwan Howard on the hot seat, but that's systemic. That's program wide. And, And something is, something is missing from the secret sauce right now. And people will say, Oh, well, it's Jet Howard playing hero ball or, Oh, well, it's, Hunter Dickinson not being a good enough leader, or it's uh, you know a lack of awareness from your freshman point guard. You know if you want to play the the bingo card with that, you can. That's fine. But fact of the matter is, there's probably a little bit of merit to all of it. And um, you know if you're going to sit here and and say that okay, well this is a bit of a growing year because of how young they are. You hope you get most of your pieces back and you know charge headstrong into next season. There have to, there has to be like an application, and we've argued this before. There has been an application of lessons learned. They've bought in better defensively. I think at times um, when they've locked in into rebounding, um, you know that's been a positive for them. But they, you know this is this is a bottom line business at the end of the day. And to me, the biggest disappointment. And we'll talk about Big Ten tournaments, uh, the, the seeding, and uh, how we see that playing out here soon. But you know, to me, to to finish a year seventeen and fourteen and eleven and nine in big 10 play in probably the most, I won't say the most winnable big 10 ever because Purdue is really good, but you know, from two through 10 in this conference, it's just so, it's just so average and so blah. And to be the most blah team in that group, which is what they are is the eight seed. Um, that doesn't, that doesn't sit right with me. How do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, on, on one hand, it's, you know, like I, I didn't think they would maybe get to that point at 11 and nine back in, on January 29th when they get blown out at Penn State. You know, they win six of 10, probably needed to win seven to 10, you know, to get themselves back. And that's tough to do. I mean, if you look at the Big Ten right now, in one respect, it's not that impressive, <laughs> certainly. But at the same time, I mean, there are a lot of teams that are just kind of beating up on each other. And there's only really one team that's actually playing pretty hot basketball right now it's Penn State who's won five out of six uh everybody else Purdue's won four out of their last eight um you look at some of these other teams kind of faltered down the stretch a little bit uh Rutgers is is taking a step back so I kind of look at it both ways it's like in in one respect you know the fact that Michigan got itself uh in that group is somewhat impressive but at the end of the day I mean you're right we came into this season thinking it was kind of Michigan and Indiana as the two teams to beat in the big 10 Michigan suffers an injury. I know that hurts, but still should have been better. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know about blah, you know, I mean, I think this Michigan team has gotten better. It, it has some talent. It has a chance to do something this weekend in Chicago. So I'm still kind of waiting to see on that, but I mean, if they could have just gotten a break or two or won one of those close games, I mean, we're talking about a completely different scenario, um, which I think makes those losses sting even more. It's not just losing close at Indiana. It's the fact that that was one of several games this year that were like that. It's not just losing close at Illinois. It was several games like that. And I'll say this too. I was talking about this earlier on the huge show, no free shout outs, but free shout out to the huge show. They they've been in too many close games. 
like you should win some more games by six, seven, eight points or whatever, and not make it that when you're up 12 in the second half, as you mentioned at Indiana or, you know, Illinois was a little bit more, a little bit different because they had that game in hand before Michigan came back, but other games, you know, where it, it is close at the end when I think you could have finished it off a little bit better and not been in that situation. The first game against Indiana comes to mind as well. So the fact that you get to those games and at best they're typically coin flips. Then you, you add in the factor that you're a young team uh, and that you've definitely, you know, shown that you don't have that quality right now to win those close games that, that stings. So, I mean, being a little bit better in the other parts of the game, I think would have done them really well too. So uh, it, it's kind of everything uh, that has kind of defined the season at this point. And, you know, they have a chance to change the narrative a little bit going in here, but it's going to be really challenging with what they have ahead of them. I was hoping they got the five seed from a Michigan standpoint. Uh, I know it came down to that game last night, Northwestern and Rutgers. I thought it would have been a better chance, but you know, Hey, if you're going to got to beat Purdue or whatever earlier than, uh, or, or anyway, then you might as well do it on Friday, I guess. So that's kind of where Michigan stands, but. Yeah, from the uh, from the resume perspective, I mean, Thursday, we'll talk about Big Ten Tournament in a second here. Uh, real quick, I want to uh, – I think you make a good point that they played too many close games. And really – and this is a tweet from uh, Scott Bell from earlier today that said, uh, Michigan lost six games in the regular season where it had a greater than 80% chance of winning according to ESPN's in-game win probability metric. And five of those yeah. five of those six games – or against quad one opponents. Now I'm not going to sit here and compare it. I saw some people compare it to uh, like that Nebraska season. What was it? Uh, the year before last where they went one and eight, but played a bunch of close games. Like this is a Michigan team that is a much better quality of product than what that is. But I mean, you just look at it here. I mean, for as much as people, I mean, the central Michigan loss is still completely inexcusable. My alma mater or not, but um <laughs> You know, 96.4% chance of victory there. 92.9% uh, in that game on the road at Iowa. Uh, these two games uh, at Illinois and at Indiana, you're hovering around 89 or 87% that you lose in overtime. Um, yeah, that's just, those are missed opportunities. Uh, no, and even just one of those go your way. Uh, it's a completely different story to tell. Uh, two of those go your way. We're not even talking about NCAA tournament bubble. We're talking about, Okay, what's on the line for from a seeding perspective this week? So uh, let's move into Big Ten tournament, though, and and let's talk about the draw because this is a team that is going to get that 8-9 game again, which has been – this is the third time in four uh, Big Ten tournaments that uh, – looks like I lost my camera here. I don't know what's going on. Can you see me? I cannot see. <laughs> okay, well, it's uh, – my laptop is kind of freaking out here. So I guess this is an audio-only – you could come back. We'll see. Maybe. Can you hear me still? Yeah, I got you loud and clear. Uh, love, 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 love when this stuff happens live. But uh, Hutch, maybe we bring up the Big Ten. Tur- uh, maybe we bring up the Big Ten tournament bracket. Um, Michigan, the eight seed against uh, number nine Rutgers, who again the third time in four years. Again, they didn't play the COVID year Big Ten tournament uh, that Michigan has played in that eight or nine game. But the nice thing about it is, like, you get that Thursday is a, uh, I think I referred to it to you as a loser leaves town game. So whoever loses that, you're done in the NCAA tournament, regardless uh, between Michigan and Rutgers. And then, if you need a, you know, you're clinging onto life, and you get one of the, you know, the the number one seed in the Big Ten, one of the top teams in the country, and Purdue after that, 
there are uh, there are worse roads to take. And this is a team that played Purdue pretty well without Jet Howard. So I guess your thoughts on the draw. Yeah, it's it's not all that bad. I mean, I, I mentioned it earlier, like I would have looked at that five seed and, and said it would have been maybe a little bit better. I think that would have put them against the winner of Ohio State, Wisconsin. Then I believe they would have played. That would have maybe moved Iowa up to the four. I don't remember the exact scenario. Then you play Purdue potentially. But it, it doesn't matter. I mean, you, you got to beat Purdue probably anyway in that scenario to get a second quad one win this weekend. And Michigan's going to get that opportunity if they beat Rutgers. And I like the matchup with Rutgers. I mean, Rutgers is a team that has lost four out of its last six. It's kind of limping into the postseason here. There's a chance this team doesn't make the NCAA tournament. Uh, or it's actually lost six of its last eight. That My apologies. Uh, you know, they could, they were look, look like such a lock a month ago or a month and a half ago. Uh, think of them on February 1st when they played Michigan State, um, or whatever date that was at Madison Square Garden. And that was the second best team in the Big Ten. They were rolling, they were going to challenge Purdue potentially. And now they might not make the NCAA tournament. So I like that matchup. Michigan matched up pretty well in Piscataway, winning that game by 13, 58 to 45, low scoring. They locked in on defense. Uh, they hit enough shots, and, and Doug McDaniel played really well. The whole backcourt did. You get that win. Purdue, as you said, I mean, it's it's not as daunting as it once looked, and even when Purdue was rolling, that was a Purdue team that only won by five at Chrysler Center. So I think Michigan can, you know, the opportunities in front of it. You know, we frame everything in the in the standpoint of what can this do for their NCAA tournament hopes which I'm guessing, you know, we'll continue to do and I'm fine doing. Uh, I think it's it's a good opportunity. Um, you get those two. You potentially play Michigan State on Saturday. This is a scenario I'm really interested in. If Michigan State, you know, if you beat Michigan State, you're in for sure. But if you lose to Michigan State, they probably move up to quad one in and of themselves. You already picked up two quad ones. Add another. Uh, then you're at six for the season uh, I think that would be huge for Michigan's resume so it's kind of not the worst thing ever if you lost to them we'll see if they make it there themselves but that's something to watch as well so lots of scenarios you're rooting against Wisconsin you're rooting against Penn State so you're rooting for Ohio State oddly enough and Illinois a team that you haven't really liked so much over the last couple of years um, but yeah I, I don't hate the draw man I mean I think it's uh it's kind of it's, it's improbable that Michigan makes it to the semis, um, you know, but I do think they're going to get their shot at Purdue and lay it on the line. Purdue's playing for one seed themselves, but, um, you know, I think Michigan will be desperate. And, and, man, I give those guys credit for the efforts they put in at least the last two games, especially against Indiana when everyone was talking about, you know, will they have enough left? Will they have the legs? They did. I mean, they didn't finish at the end, and I don't – I wouldn't necessarily chalk it up to not having anything left in the tank. I just thought it was – poor execution but i mean they you know they fought and i think that they're going to be right there fighting again thursday potentially friday in chicago yeah i'm with you there uh i want to go to the super chat real quick hutch if you could bring it up my computer is completely frozen up on me so um maybe we take this question i'll do a quick restart and then we'll talk about our friends over at the road shop but uh, let's talk about this question from Loretto for 499 super chat. Do you think coach and coach uh, Juwan Howard is too loyal and sticking with players, not working at the moment to let that player work through something until they get hot or shoot better. I, there's probably a little bit of merit to that. I mean, um, you know, some guy you're always going to go through like cold streaks. Uh, you know, a, a guy like Kobe Bufkin, 
might not have a shot going at all times, but you know, he's going to bring good energy on both ends of the floor. Whereas again, and I'm not playing the nepotism card here, but you know, a player like Jed Howard who inherently doesn't play great defense gets kind of crossed over at times and just is not always in the right spot that he needs to be in. You know, if his shot's not falling, are you giving him a longer leash or longer hook? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think just the lineup combinations in general have been odd at times this year. Um, but I don't know that uh, – I think he has to He has to be loyal and stick with a lot of these guys because this this team just isn't very deep. I mean, I like Terrace Reed. I've liked what Joey Baker has given you at times. But outside of that, I'm, I'm just not crazy about the roster construction and depth on this team. Yeah, I, I completely agree there. But when it comes to this question, I mean – I'll say this. I don't understand why Kobe Bufkin didn't get a touch on the final regulation uh, possession for Michigan. I don't know why it was Jet Howard. They're trying to go into the post. Indiana blows that up. Uh, and then, you know, it ends up being a, a pick and a pop for Hunter Dickinson with Jet Howard throwing him the ball. That was Kobe Bufkin's game. That was Kobe Bufkin's moment, I thought, to uh, to be the guy with the ball in his hands. And I know when they're keying in on him, maybe it's harder to get him the ball. But I, I just feel like he should have got a touch there and it, it should have been him and Hunter kind of being the the guys uh, doing that thing. And I also think they should have got something going towards the rim in that situation. Uh, in, in that, you know, doesn't even take into account what happened with Kobe at the end of the overtime session, but I just thought he should have had it. You think back a few years to the UCLA game in the elite eight, they go with Franz to shoot that last shot. You know, he was, he was cold as was just about everybody other than about, Sean D. Brown, uh, and uh, they go with uh, him there. He airballs the shot. I think I'm going solo now. Anthony is uh, is working out some technical difficulties, so uh, we apologize for that, but we'll hope to get him back on here in just a second. I think he's rebooting his computer, um, so we'll be all set there in just a minute. But, man, um, I, I do think that he could make some better decisions on who he's putting the ball uh, in the hands of late in the game. And I thought that was the case with Kobe Bufkin in this game. Uh, give it to him. Uh, Jet Howard was much better when they were using him in spot-up situations as opposed to on the ball. And I thought that was kind of the turning point for Michigan when they started scoring late in the first half and took control of that game. So that's what I would say to that. Uh, Loretto, appreciate your super chat. Um, and I'm with you. I, I think that they do need to do uh, make some better decisions there. Um Keep getting some questions in, uh, and we will – I believe Anthony's about to be back here. Um, we do have another question. Does Michigan play better without Jet Howard in the starting lineup this season? That's kind of been the question a lot of people have pointed to, and Anthony is back with us now um, this season. Anthony, what do you what do you think about that? Well, first off, perhaps I should have given my computer uh, some vitamin energy because it's, or maybe it, it's, I don't know what's going on here, or maybe it will need something from our next sponsor that we talk about uh, because of stress and anxiety. But uh, does Michigan play better without Jet Howard in the starting lineup? I, I mean, this is recency bias, but I do feel like there there is some, to me, there is some validity to that. Uh, I almost, I did wonder, uh, and this is a conversation we had had a few times, I don't know, either on here or off platform where is this, would you be better suited by bringing a guy like Jet Howard off the bench to kind of cook the second unit to start a game? And then you're still playing him like those starter level minutes. Um, 
you know, maybe not in your starting five, but in your final five, similar to how uh, Chandy Brown, what his role kind of looked like, although Jet is going to be a lottery pick and is better than that. But I mean, all I can say is this, is that in the last five games you played, you closed out a game against Michigan State when he, after he went down. You kind of, I won't say hammered Rutgers, but you outboxed them in that game in Piscataway. And then you kind of found a way to just claw one out against Wisconsin. Um, I'm not laying that, you know, laying that blame at his feet, but I, I don't know. It's just like, it, there are just there have been times, and I don't know if he's ever truly been healthy. After um, apparently he suffered an ankle injury before uh, before the Kentucky game back in December. Obviously he had the ankle injury again against. Uh, when was the first time he had it? Um, it was after that Minnesota game. So and then he missed Purdue. That was his okay. first missed game. Yeah, that's right. So I, it just seems like as the year went on he kind of wore down a bit. I know his efficiency numbers went down. His, uh, his assist numbers went down. I remember there were, you know, in the early part of the season, there were, he had a nice cluster of games where he had three, four, five assists in addition to scoring his 15 or 16 points. So yeah, I, I just, I'm not, I don't want to go there, but I just don't think he's been completely healthy. And, you know, to his credit, he's played through that. Um, and to Jawan's credit, when he hasn't been good enough to go, or they just want to be cautious with him. He hasn't played, but I don't know the, the latter part of the season, there's just been something weird about the, the stew out there when he's on the floor. So I don't know. Um, I don't think, I think Michigan's best five includes when jet Howard's on the floor, but just haven't been able to get him going. And if, if Joey Baker was a little more consistent, maybe we're have maybe I'm taking a little hard, you know, hard line stance on that, but I don't know. I just, I watched Joey Baker airball a pretty big shot at Illinois uh, on Thursday. So I don't know that just making that switch was the answer. Cause as we talked about earlier, I don't really like the depth on this team. Yeah. I, I think Michigan's better off with the, a couple of things, starting lineup and then starter minutes are, you know, two different things, which I, I know that you just talked about. Like, so I agree. Like, I mean, I think he should, he's been good coming out of the gate in some of these games. Like think of Iowa Penn state before it became a blowout loss. I mean, he was just hitting shot after shot. So part of me is like, if, if you have a guy that can start out that hot, you kind of want him in there. It's to me, the, the bigger question is about who plays the majority of minutes. And I think Michigan's a better team when jet Howard does that. But I don't think, as I said, when he was hurt a week or two ago, it, it shouldn't be either jet Howard's in and he can kind of just do whatever he wants, uh, you know, or, he's just not in. It's like, why can't we find a happy medium here where he's in the ball doesn't stick. We still move it. We still play through Kobe Bufkin, Hunter Dickinson, some Doug McDaniel. Uh, I think one of the things that was apparent to me in, in Sunday's game, which was the 31st game of the season is that Michigan's role definition just hasn't been that good enough yet. Um, or, you know, and probably won't come at this point, but you look at why the offense was faltering early on in that game. You know, there were a couple possessions in there where you just kind of throw it into Terrace Reed in the post against two veteran forwards, uh, you know, and he hasn't been that good in the post lately. Uh, there are some times where Jet Howard is just kind of trying to make something happen on the ball when we all know he's been much better as just a spot-up shooter. So uh, once they started running everything through Kobe and Hunter and some Doug McDaniel, I thought the offense really got going there. Again, it kind of brings up what I just talked about. That's why I don't understand why Kobe didn't get the ball 
at the end of regulation. But I think, you know, Jet hit four threes yesterday. Like, it's not like he's he's nothing. And Joey Baker has really struggled at times. And it really been, you know, Jawan Howard didn't really think he was playable yesterday. He didn't think Terrence Williams was playable yesterday. So Jet Howard does bring something. I think people scrutinize him a lot. I do think there is something to him being on the floor and the ball sticking, something that I've talked about for a while. Uh, and I think they got to do better with that. And he's got to play his role. He is a lottery pick, but you're still a freshman on this team. Like this isn't quite quote unquote your team yet. Um, so they got to be better with that. But uh, I would say Michigan's a better team with Jet Howard. Seems like sometimes on the internet, that's a hot take, but uh, I'm sticking with that. I think they're better with him, but they can still make changes with what they do with him for sure. I'm going to come to his defense really quick. Uh, not that he needs that for me, but I think he, he's wearing a lot of what the frustrations of this season have been because he's, you know, he was a top, what top 30 recruit, top 40 recruit. Um, someone who's arguably, you know, one of those pros at the prom, so to speak, they've been talking about him as a lottery pick all season. And I think that that has created this, uh, now make no mistake about it. Like he hasn't played well enough in some of these bigger games, but I don't think that he, he should be the one that has to wear that. You know, if this was a situation where he's, you know, it's a James Harden type thing and he's just, you know, playing hero ball the entire game um, and the team is just clearly worse off for it. I guess there's been some of that at times, but for me, it's, he's just the, he's the poster child for this season struggles because he was the top, you know, a plug and play freshman starter. He's the coach's son. If he plays too much, it's because, you know, He's, you know, that's dad's taking care of him, all that type of stuff. And I don't think that's fair to him. I think that there's, uh, I just, I don't know that he's been always used properly and the expectations that have placed, been placed on him. Um, I don't think have always been fair either. Uh, he, you know, he still has to wear some of what his struggles and his deficiencies are, but guys, I mean, this, this, this whole operation is, you know, it's, it's flawed right now. And, I'm excited about the fact that, you know, NCAA tournament or not, NIT or not, whatever this postseason winds up looking like, I want to see this group play more basketball because I think that they have the chance to, you know, this could still be the bones of a team that figures it out and, and is pretty good next year. Um, Jet Howard hasn't been good enough at times. Hunter Dickinson hasn't been good enough at times. Um, Terrence Williams is a captain uh, and was a starter, has, has been a, a big disappointment this year. You could go up and down the roster of guys who just haven't fully pulled their weight in some of the biggest moments, but unfortunately, Jet Howard has to wear it because he's, you know, Juwan's kid, and that's—I don't think that's fair. Uh, I think he can be used better. I think he can be uh, can play better, but uh, I don't know, man. It's always just—he's—he's he's a really good guy and a really good kid, and, and they're the, the Howards are great people and a good family, and it uh, there's just so much more going on than Jet Howard struggling. So that's, well, that's I mean, more or less where I see it. He, he's the only serviceable wing on this team. Like the floor yeah. is a much bigger issue. And we saw it kind of rear its head yesterday. I mean, Terrace Reed. Yeah. He played some good defense. And I thought it, one of the underrated plays of the game is when he switches out on Jalen hood, Shafino, who thinks he can get a shot off on him. And, and Terrace Reed does a good job closing some space. And then he goes one for five from the field. Like they just couldn't, they can't get consistent production out of that spot, Terrence Williams, you know, he looked like he was in the doghouse. He obviously had a huge mistake not picking up a ball on the sideline. Joey Baker was in the doghouse. 
And, you know, Michigan basically just didn't get enough out of the four spot. I thought spacing was clunky late in the game. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not all on Jet Howard. Um, and, and I want to say this too, as a college athlete, you're not, obviously you're not completely absolved from criticism. Like I just want to put that in a box where it belongs. Like it's not all on him, but um, it sucks that he has to wear that um, for a lot of different reasons. For sure. So, um, should we, you, you want to break down this bracket, get a couple sleeper picks in and whatnot, but I, I know we got rogue shop as well too. I'll tell you what, let's do rogue shop. We'll do the bracket. Maybe do a little bit of NFL combine talk. I do want to talk about DJ Turner and his 40 super quick. Yes. Then maybe we'll we'll take a few questions to end the show. So, uh, sound like a plan? Let's do it. All right, uh, Rogue Shop, our friends. Uh, we love our friends Richard and Charmaine over at RogueShop.com. If you have issues sleeping, chronic pain, anxiety, stress, we've talked about it a million times. Uh, you know, they their products, the menu of stuff that they have sent to us to sample, uh, the education that they. Uh, not only bring in their 24 seven chat on their website, but also on our message board. I know Richard uh, hangs out there when people have asked him questions. We're talking CBD, THC, edibles, tinctures, smokables, bath salts, pain creams, topicals, vapes, candles, soaps. Again, the C scroll that I read from every week of what they will bring to the table for you uh, is endless. Uh, We're talking handcrafted topicals, soaps, candles, bath salts, massage oils, tinctures, uh, Rogue Shop grows all of their own cannabis in their own facility. All of their products are made with their uh, with their own stuff, their own hands, their own product. As I said before, their website has a 24-7 chat function where customers can ask them anything. If you have a question about a product, if you have a question about dosage, you have a question about anything uh, that relates to plant medicine, CBD, THC, Richard and Charmaine are there for you. All of their edibles are custom formulated with cannabis vitamins and plant materials. Uh, they are America's number one online dispensary and health and wellness shop. Uh, obviously we're big proponents of that here on the Monday night show, given uh, both of our good friends and sponsors. Uh, Rogue shop is a small business disabled veteran owned black owned. Uh, you can use the promo code the Wolverine to get 10% off your order at rogueshop.com. That's R O G U E shop.com. Again, promo code the Wolverine will get you ten percent off your order. So, uh, Clayton, I know we've uh, we've been singing their praises since football season, and nothing has changed uh, on that front. Uh, we love Richard and Charmaine, and, and they've been great uh, allies of ours uh, for the last several months. Yeah, I wasn't. I never really tried CBD until we started doing the sponsorship, and I love their products. Um, you're a Michigan basketball team, you know. If you're a player on that team, that uh, I'm not advocating for them to to do anything they shouldn't be doing, but you've played three straight overtime games. You know what'd be great for that is the pain cream. So anyone out there that's played three straight overtime games or just has a little bit of pain joints or whatever, the pain cream is fantastic. But all the products are over at Rogue Shop. All right, again, that's promo code the Wolverine for ten percent off over at RogueShop.com. That's R O G U E Shop.com. Let's talk about this Big Ten uh, tournament bracket, Hutch. If we want to bring that up super quick here, uh, we'll talk some sleepers. Talk about, I mean, this is again the fact that with a win mich- yesterday, Michigan could have been the two seed and fell all the way to the eight seed with a loss tells you just how frenetic a regular season this was, even heading into the last day of the year. There was some chaos this weekend. Penn State beats Maryland, uh, a couple other games, I believe. Uh, who did Nebraska beat? Uh, Iowa at Iowa. Iowa. 
at Iowa. So again, our, our guy uh, would love to see these uh, Wednesday night games because uh, love our guy Casey Tomanaga. But yes, looking at this bracket here, um, what sticks out to you in terms of draw? Because this is that this is a you know if you're a team that comes from Thursday, you're going to play four games in four days to potentially win a Big Ten championship. And honestly, I don't know if any of these teams are capable of winning four games. Uh, I, I almost feel like it might be a bit chalky uh, in that one of those teams that comes out of Friday is probably going to win this thing. Uh, I know that's how the bracket kind of sets itself up on a year in year out basis, but thoughts on the bracket overall. Yeah. I'll I'll say this. I mean, I don't hate Penn state, Illinois, the winner of that game as kind of a a sleeper pick to win the thing. I mean, Northwestern is good. Uh, but I also have kind of had the take I've been waiting to bring out for maybe once we get an NCAA tournament bracket that they're going to go early. Uh, they're going to they're going to lose early in that tournament. I think they're going to be a little bit overseeded based on what they actually are. And I'm waiting to see what you know, who the 10 seed is that plays them as a seven or whatever. So I think playing Northwestern, if you win that game on Thursday, if you're Penn State or Illinois, isn't the worst thing ever. Um, but I'm just excited to see. Uh, a bunch of these different storylines play out. You have four teams, Michigan, Rutgers, Penn State, Wisconsin, fighting for NCAA tournament bids. So that's going to be exciting. You have Wisconsin having to play Wednesday against an Ohio State team that I don't think anyone wants to play right now. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see that. I mean, I scroll down to, to Maryland on the bracket. I look at them. That's a team that hasn't won a game or has won one game in the Midwest this year at Minnesota. Uh, so they have to leave College Park, and we will see what that team is on a neutral floor, um, you know, is Purdue going to get the one seed that they, that they want? They probably got to win a couple games to get that Michigan state seems to be playing well. What Iowa team is going to show up? I mean, it's, it's going to be really exciting, but yeah, if I, if I had to go favorite is probably just Purdue. Cause I think they're the best team. Um, maybe Indiana is the second best chance, but sleeper, Look out for Penn State. They've won five of six. They can, they, they're not out of any game. They can shoot their way into any game, as we've seen with two crazy comebacks over the last uh, week. And, um, you know, I just think that they are going to open things up. Neutral floor, it always seems to feel a little more open. And, you know, that suits a shooting team. They could also just go cold and, and lose one game. Uh, you know, whatever that is. But um, I'd say look out for the 7-10 as the sleeper, Illinois and Penn State. Yeah, I'm looking at this, and I feel like, I mean, last year, I wish I wish I would have followed through and put a little bit of beer money on it. But uh, We were both on that thing. Iowa. We were both on it last year with Iowa, and I don't think either of us pulled the trigger on that. But I feel like my goodwill was used up there. But when you look at the betting odds, um, Iowa at plus 1,600 raises a bit of an eyebrow to me. Um, you know, I, I, they're going to get a team that plays on Wednesday night. Uh, and then the, the winner of that game, uh, which I think it would be Iowa, is going to play a Michigan state team that again, it, it, they're, you know, they got, they, uh, they experienced the, uh, I almost said the Kinnick crowd or the Kinnick experience, but whatever, uh, whatever Iowa's basketball stadium is, I Carver Hawkeye, uh, yeah, Carver Hawkeye. They got to experience what Michigan did a couple, uh, theirs was actually far worse, the blown game they had there, but. I don't know. I think I like Iowa at, at plus again, I'm looking at this just from a betting perspective. I mean, you can get, you can bet Purdue at plus plus one sixty. to me. That's boring. There's no value in that. Um, but Hey, um, crazier things have happened. You've got Indiana plus plus five fifty. Michigan state at plus 600 is one that 
you know, if you're looking for one, you know, a team from Friday that I think might, you know, there's good value in betting one of those teams. I think Michigan state could, um, you know, potentially win this thing, but from a value perspective, I could play devil's advocate here. Um, Michigan at plus 1800. Is there a team with the mixture of talent and low odds like that, that would stick out to you that could make a run? Cause if Michigan finds a way to beat Rutgers and get past Purdue, I mean, from there, it's anyone's guess. You're going one day at a time here. And and they have been good on short turnarounds under Juwan Howard, as we've seen in the past. Yeah, so I was thinking about that earlier, too. Like, on in, in one hand, you know, if you do make that run, you have to play the one seed guaranteed. But on the other hand, once you get past them, it opens up quite a bit. You're playing either Michigan State, Iowa, Ohio State, or Wisconsin. I mean, all teams that Michigan has either beaten or should have beaten when you look at Iowa uh, in that game. And then whoever you'd play in the championship game is, you know, just whoever comes out of that, that side, there's seven teams there, but uh, I think you would take your, your chances and and that'd be a Michigan team that had won enough to, you know, establish itself as a a team in that game. So yeah, I mean, Michigan has a, has a chance. I don't want to say as good of a chance as anybody. I don't think it's even close to that, but I could see some value in that pick and you gotta, you gotta take into account motivation for this. You know, Michigan's going to be really motivated to come out and play. What's Purdue's motivation going to look like? They could get a one seat as we've talked about, but who knows? Uh, I was talking to Spike Albrecht a couple weeks ago and we were talking about how they bowed out early in the big 10 tournament before making their long run to the national championship game in 2013. And he said, that really they didn't care about the Big Ten tournament, that they were just waiting to play teams outside of the Big Ten because they had been kind of beaten up and, you know, just kind of just so scout uh, scouted so well where it's just refreshing to play somebody that you don't see twice a year. And that ended up working out for them. So maybe Purdue has that same type of feeling. Both you and I last year were saying Iowa feels like a team that really wants to win it and is playing good enough to win it. And they, and they were, and they did. So um, that plays a factor as well um Michigan's motivation so maybe you throw you know sprinkle a little money on them but uh I don't hate Indiana's odds what did you say they were plus 550 uh got Indiana at plus 550 Michigan State at plus 600 Maryland at plus 700 uh I don't trust them at all away from home no they're not winning four Uh, games I think Indiana I don't hate those odds because you might play Maryland or potentially Nebraska then you could get Northwestern or the winner of Penn state, Illinois. I don't, I don't mind that. And that would be Indiana's first ever big 10 tournament win, which is just, a, or, you know, the, to win the whole tournament, which would be, uh, which is just amazing that they haven't won it. It's been going on since I think 99 and they still haven't, this one wouldn't be in front of the sea of red in Indiana or Indianapolis as it has been in the past. Um, but I, I don't hate Indiana there. If I'm looking at just the best value right now. Yeah, I think I like when I look at this bracket, I like Indiana to come out of that bottom half to make it to Sunday. Again, you get to Sunday, it's anyone's guess. Um, but again, I'm not predicting this. Michigan could very easily lose its first game, but I didn't even I didn't even consider this before I saw the bracket in front of me. Potential Saturday game between Michigan and Michigan State in Chicago, which has happened before. I think the last time they were in Chicago they played the championship game. Um, yes. Remember because I had to run from the game to the train station, just barely made it. So uh, and the, yeah, good the year times. before that, the year before that they played in the semis and Michigan won with, uh, you know, it was the Charles Matthews and Nick Ward photo of them 
squaring up eye to eye and, you know, just a Madison square garden, right? A great win at Madison square garden. Yeah. So they've played, you know, some pretty good games there. 2014, they matched up in the the championship game. Um, and I want to say those are maybe the only times they've played each other there, but that would be an exciting matchup. And as I, as I said earlier, I think it might've been when you lost connection. If, Michigan gets to that game one. I think you're in a really good cha- uh, shot for the NCAA tournament. Yeah. You win that game. You're in for sure. You lose that game. You probably bump MSU up to quad one and that helps your chances too. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to face MSU in that game. And the result, you obviously want to win for more reasons than one, right? Not just the tournament. You want to beat them, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world from a metric standpoint. Cause in yeah. that case, Michigan has three quad one wins right now. You get two more, uh, which is what you have to do at least. And then if you lose to Michigan State, you'd still probably actually earn an extra quad one win by them being bumped into the top 30. So it's a scenario to watch. It wouldn't be the the sexiest way to get in. Uh, You'd have a sour taste losing to your rival, but at the same time, uh, it, it would be a potential way for them to get in, which I think people would be happy with. So let's talk scenarios really quick, because I don't think we even hit on that, but it's pretty much two wins. Two wins is the bare minimum. Uh, I think you get two, you're in. You get one against Rutgers. You're probably at least curious to see what the committee says. I know Jerry Palm of CBS had Michigan in even before yesterday's game. So I don't know how that outcome affected how some people see it. But um, yeah, I, I feel like are we? I think we're pretty much in lockstep. You win two, you're probably feeling good on selection Sunday. Anything less than that. Um, by losing those two regular season games, you didn't afford yourself any wiggle room. So two and in that, that feels, that feels right. Right. Two. And you are very much expecting to see your name called. uh, I would say, I mean, it's still a moving target. I would still want things to break Michigan's way in terms of some of the other bubble teams here, because it is a little bit unfortunate for Michigan that, um, you know, they're not going to have any control over what Penn state does. They're on the other side of the bracket. Wisconsin has, you know, could still get three wins before they'd have to play Michigan. So those teams are the ones. Like, I don't think Big Ten's getting 10 in, so you're kind of competing with your own conference mates there for the last one or two bids. Seven locks, and then I think there are two, as many as two up to gra- uh, for grabs in the Big Ten. Um, I put a rooting guide together that just got published on the site. You are, you know, hoping to avoid bid stealers this week. Uh, there are a few conferences that that we could see that in. Um, a quick list of those would be all the power ones, ACC, Big 12, Big East, Pac-12, Big 10, SEC. But the other ones to watch is you're rooting for Houston and Memphis in the American. You're rooting for Florida Atlantic in the Conference USA. You're rooting for San Diego State and Boise State in the Mountain West. And you're rooting for Gonzaga and St. Mary's in the WCC. And I think both of those teams play tonight. St. Mary's plays BYU. So that's a huge game because BYU is a team good enough to you know, maybe win that thing. I know they set up some of those those small conference tournaments where like the one seed gets a bye to like the semis or whatever, and everyone else has to duke it out. But they've gotten to that point in the WCC. Um, so you're you don't want any bid stealers. Where for Conference USA, for example, you know Florida Atlantic is the favorite or is probably going to get in at a, at large. You need them to win that tournament so they don't get two bids. Things like that. Um, yeah. So it's a moving target in that respect. But long answer to make it short is two wins and I feel pretty good barring some chaos, which 
we could have, um, you know, but two wins. And I think you're pretty good. And as I mentioned earlier, that MSU win could get bumped up to quad one, which would help as well, which I, it, I don't want to do my quad rant again, but uh, you can watch prior shows people. If, if you want to hear me rant about why the number 31 team is essentially the same thing as the number 30 team. I think a lot of people agree with that, but um, that's kind of where we are, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, you know, I think two wins and, and they're in position. Yeah, I'll say two wins, and regardless of what happens, your brand power gets you in because we all know this is about money and TV anyway. So that's that's the cynic in me speaking. Maybe not as analytical as Clayton's breakdown, but well, um, yeah. Look at Syracuse in, in recent years. Look at Oklahoma. That one year, I think it was the Trey Young year, where they were like well under five hundred in Big Twelve play, and they still got in as like a nine. So brand power, it does matter, I think. Um, Michigan State one year I think got in probably because of that uh, don't remember exactly I think UCLA at times has gotten in because of that so maybe you're you're at that that stature right now uh, but you gotta yeah. you gotta take care of some business here you gotta win two games at least no can't luck your way into it got it can only that's been the silver lining of if they get into the NCAA tournament means that they will have earned something for the first time this year and that would be awesome to see so um excited for that this week uh at some point we'll probably put together either some bold predictions or a bracket projection maybe we can do like a dueling big 10 bracket that would be that'd be kind of fun to do before things get going on wednesday but uh before we get out of here i want to talk real quick about nfl combine because we do we're going to take a question to end the show this is from thomas uh thomas doe or do whatever it is uh thomas thank you for your question it says how high can dj turner get drafted next month in the NFL draft. If you missed it over the weekend, DJ Turner ran the fourth fastest 40 yard dash in the history of the NFL combine at a 4.26. And I got to be honest. I mean, I knew he was fast, but I didn't know he was like potentially historically good uh, in terms of speed. Uh, I don't know that I always saw that speed on display at Michigan, but man, oh man, uh, what a weekend for, uh, for DJ Turner. The 10 yard split was, was a lead as well. Vertical jump number is good. Broad jump number was good. Um, you know, I don't know that it satiates the NFL's concern about maybe, uh, you know, you want to see a little a little bit more from a ball skill perspective from a guy who might be a first or second round pick. And, uh, you know, the tackling at times just uh, just wasn't where it needed to be. But, you know, as far as DJ Turner goes, I think that this weekend probably it's, you know, the NFL combine is a Rorschach test. I mean, it's either going to the speed and agility numbers are, are a lot of times going to confirm or deny uh, what you see on film. Cause I think at the end of the day, that is what matters the most, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the first round after that. I still think he's probably more of a early to mid second round guy, but yeah, I mean, you run, you run like that. Uh, there are teams that will just take the traits on their own and be like, we'll coach the other stuff up. Uh, Kind of surprised that we're talking that DJ Turner could be the highest drafted guy, uh, but that's that's the way the cookie crumbles when it comes to the NFL draft. It's not always about that production at the college level. But uh, your thoughts on Turner's weekend and just uh, I know we kind of uh, went back and forth tracking the guys throughout the weekend, but uh, his weekend and, and some of your other takeaways. Yeah, I mean, I think there's now a chance. Like th- there was no way he was going to get in the first round without impressing at the combine. He does that. Um, his 40-yard dash was 
obviously super impressive. Um, he didn't correct me if I'm wrong. He didn't do anything after that, right? He kind of took his ball and go and went home. No, he game. didn't even he didn't even run a second forty. Uh, he didn't do no any point. of the the no yeah. any of the position drills after that. He and you know what? You you set a record like that at the combine. There's really nothing to be gained by that. <laughs> so, yeah. So I mean, you uh, so he does that. I still think that like there's a decent amount probably riding on his pro day. So we'll kind of see on that. I think one reason why we're talking more about him, uh, you know, beyond him just running the the fastest time of the combine is that all Mozzie Smith did due to tweaking his hamstring is bench press. And his bench press was fantastic as we expected. Um, 34, which was the second most, there was an offensive lineman today. Uh, I think a guy from USC who did 38, but among the defensive linemen, it was the most. And uh, so, you know, he's, he's a freak. He said he was disappointed. He wasn't able to go out there and, and perform, but uh, with the tweaked hamstring, he's hoping by the March 17 pro day, he'll be able to go through some of the drills. So I still think I, my money's on Mozzie Smith being Michigan's highest drafted guy, but DJ Turner's put himself in, in consideration. Uh, a couple other quick takeaways, Mike Morris with a kind of disappointing, you know, not overly surprising, but a disappointing showing. So I don't think, he boosted his stock like we thought he could, um, you know, just depending on how he tested. So that's a little, little bit tough for him. Uh, Brad Robbins and Jake Moody. It's this is another take I had is it's unfair to the other kickers that Jake Moody got to have his holder for what four years at Michigan out there with him during some of those kicks. So uh, obviously kidding, but man, um, cool to see those guys. I saw the picture of them them together at the combine. So. They've come a long way, man, as specialists. And, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, it's pretty impressive. Uh, Olu had 29 bench press reps. Ryan Hayes ran a really good three-cone drill. I think it was the third fastest among offensive linemen. So there was a decent amount to like. Uh, but DJ Turner, for sure, comes away the big winner. Yeah, also would shout out Luke Schoonmaker, too. I thought he had a nice yes. nice weekend. Of four, I think it was a 4.463.40, which – um, I know he's a little bit lighter than, than Aiden was, but I think Aiden ran like a four, seven, five last year. So again, it's not the be all end all, but, uh, Scooney, I think made himself a little bit of money, some buzz on him potentially being a day two guy in a class that, I mean, this tight ends class, I'm still kind of getting up to date with NFL draft and pros, you know, the prospect rankings and all that, but tight end group is super deep and, and there are a lot, there's a lot of buzz that he could be a sleeper among that group. Um, Ryan Hayes, Olu Olu with Timmy. I don't think anything really groundbreaking there. Uh, I thought a four five four forty for Ronnie Bell is looks about right when you watch him play. I think his play speed's a little higher than that, but he's never really been a burner. He's been more kind of a short area quickness type of guy. Um, you know, former former basketball player, so we know his vertical, his broad jump was going to be good. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, again, there's not a lot of. Uh, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway was from. I think it was in one of your roundups that you did where uh, Daniel Jeremiah was, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah was talking about how you watch all of these guys on film of other teams. And he goes, wow, this guy from Michigan's back, this guy from Michigan's back, this guy's back. So, you know, for as awesome as it's going to be to see this group of guys get drafted and, and find an NFL home to me, I think by far the biggest storyline of this NFL draft cycle for Michigan is who isn't there and who will be in this mix next year. So uh, shout out to those guys. Uh, NFL draft April, I believe April 25th through the 27th. Um, that date sounds right. It's that last weekend in it April in right. Kansas city. So about six or seven weeks away, we'll see where those guys end up going. We'll have that uh, covered obviously on the site, tracking that 
uh, over the next several weeks. But uh, Clayton, I think that's going to do it for us here tonight. Uh, big week, obviously. Big Ten tournament later this week. Spring football picks back up after uh, a week off last week. I'm sure we'll have an availability at some point. So uh, dueling, um, dueling storylines in a couple different sports, obviously. Huge week for Michigan basketball. Uh, another big development week for Michigan football. Uh, you can join us uh, for $29.99 over at thewolverine.com uh, for uh, until the start of the football season, which is August 31st. We do have one final super chat here for $9.99 from Steve Deese Burner, who says, Michigan is going to have to beat Rutgers and Purdue in the Big Ten tournament to, have, to even sniff a chance at the NCAA tournament. The development of Kobe Bufkin is encouraging, and Jet needs to come back. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with all that. We we addressed that pretty thoroughly uh, throughout the show. We think it's a two in it, two in and in scenario. Um, you know, I'm never going to tell a player he needs to come back, but um, I think there's a lot that both of those guys could work on if they did come back. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it's it's still kind of cruel that you could have a season where you have potentially a former All American and two NBA draft picks on your roster and don't make the NCAA tournament, but this is the last chance to rewrite that narrative. So uh, any thoughts on the Steve Deese burner uh, super chat here, Kobe, it's been impressive, man, just how good he's gotten. I think he's averaging 20 points a game over his last five. I was watching BTN earlier and he was one of the few guys that they named as a player to watch this weekend in the tournament because of how fun and, and good he's been playing uh, lately. So I, I totally agree. It would, it would be a shame to lose him at the same time. I think he could probably be a first round pick. So I would be, I would be happy for him in that respect, but it would just seem like the classic Michigan, not curse, but like they develop guys so well that they leave early and then you get screwed by having the, you know, so much roster turnover. So that would be unfortunate from Michigan. Um, and yeah, I mean, we kind of talked a lot about jet and the NCAA tournament, but Steve Deese burner, if that is Steve Deese, or if it's just someone, else uh we appreciate you either way for uh, getting in that super chat and uh i'm totally with you win two baby and, and see what happens yeah steve deese or steve deese's burner is also a fan of the minions so shout out to the minions here on a monday night <laughs> uh as i said before could uh be sure to like the video subscribe to our channel for more content we'll have a lot of stuff coming obviously with spring football basketball big 10 tournament it's all on the horizon here uh, you can get a subscription to our premium content for $29.99 through August 31st. Uh, so be sure to jump on that deal. Uh, it's a steal in my completely unbiased opinion. So uh, for Clayton Safey, for producer Hutch behind the scenes, uh, for myself, uh, I will say thank you so much for watching. Uh, we appreciate you guys and your support and listening in every single week. And we will talk to you again soon.